I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit old school, and I, I nothing is going to make me say yeah. The apps are <laughs> the greatest. I'm I'm not a fan. Unless I meet my future husband on the apps. back for another, I'll call this a segment of Interstates and Heartbreak because I interviewed my mom about sex ed and about, you know, her experience and her knowledge as a biology educator. And before recording this episode, I wanted to open up to, you know, followers of the podcast, personal friends of mine to ask if they had any questions that they wanted to ask you. And so these are completely separate from biology. There is no prior knowledge that you need to have. It's really just to get your honest opinion about things. The people are curious. I actually got more questions than I anticipated, and I'm really excited. I like can't stop smiling as we are about to dive into these. You're smiling so much, I'm a little bit nervous as to what these questions are going to be. <laughs> what do you think they might be? What do you think people might want to know about I you? I have no idea. I think they think that I'm a little bit unusual. <laughs> So I cannot imagine. I will say, I feel like because people know how kind of like no nonsense you are, you're kind of like tough love, you kind of just like speak your mind no matter what. So I think that just piques people's curiosity. Oh, I I would like to think them a little bit diplomatic. And I don't just speak my mind, but let's let's see. Let's see. Well, I mean, we don't want diplomacy here. We oh. want unfiltered honest answers. So just go with your gut. And for the audience, I actually didn't share these questions with my mom because I, similar to like when I end each segment with a game, I wanted to get the in the moment reaction. So these are all real time. Okay. All right. So the first questions are actually like the easiest questions. So these are the questions for people who just want to get to know a little bit about you. And so the first question is a softball. Who's your celebrity crush? My celebrity crush I've always liked Denzel Washington. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) I love Denzel Washington. And um, I think a lot of women my age um, do. And so he is. I like Sidney Poitier also because he goes back way back. And he's a kind of no-nonsense. He's not involved with all the nonsense and identity things. He just did his work and he was so professional. He was so way ahead of his time and he was so successful. However, he was a little bit older than I am. You know, he's been around from when I was a kid. Denzel Washington is close to my age. And I also like, I think, Paul Newman. I remember he was an actor, <laughs> a really great actor. And one of the things I admired about him, he was so attractive. He was so very attractive. And the fact that he stayed married to his wife. So... Yeah, I have a lot of people. Monogamy that are, is very sexy. Yeah, so I, I those, but Denzel Washington, I think, um, would come first. Yeah. Well, that raises a question. Someone did not submit this, but for context, how old are you? Oh, <laughs> old enough, I think. It's <laughs> it's just kind of weird how it just kind of creeps up on you, and you feel like you're still, you know. I can remember exactly when I was seventeen years old. I can remember the things I thought, how I felt. I remember when I was. 
when you were born. I almost say how old I was when you were born. <laughs> I remember when you were born, and it's like it's it's like what is time? It's it's weird. It's like some people believe that time exists, past, present, and future exist all in one, and it's a matter of figuring out how to travel between the times. So I am. Um, should I be afraid to say how old I am? No, you look great. I do. Um, well, this year is going to be one of those milestones and a milestones birthday. When I was 30, it wasn't a big deal because I was still young and the world was ahead. But once I hit 40, it's like, what the hell? How did I get to the 40? <laughs> and then I got to be 50 and ask my friends. I was depressed. I was depressed and they tried to cheer me up and we had a party even at school and it was like, uh, and then now it doesn't seem to be freaking me out as much because I've learned a lot of things. And so this year I actually will turn 60. And it's a hard number to say out loud because like 60, who the hell is 60? <laughs> you know, when you were 17 or 21, 60 was old. I would say, though, in today's day and age, 60 is not old. Also, I don't feel like you're 60. You don't look 60. You don't act like I think what the stereotype of a 60-year-old is. So I think it's good that you're not freaking out because there's nothing to freak out about. Well, I remember I was in Cincinnati because every year except this year for the past 13 years, I've gone to Cincinnati to grade AP exam. And there there was a woman who she was from Guyana, another Caribbean island, and she, was, she lived in Jamaica. And she was with me and... You know, I don't, I don't care what people do. You do whatever the hell you want to do. And I, I remember I was dressed one way, and, and she was right behind me in the line for lunch. And she goes, some people don't want to dress their age. They want to behave like they're young. Wow. <laughs> and I thought, I think she was talking about me, but who the hell cares? I didn't respond at all. And some people are mean girls, even when they're <laughs> grown adults. Even when they're grown adults. So I was wearing a pair of shorts and a t-shirt and um, some sandals. And so I was like, seriously, why do you care what I'm wearing? Also, I didn't if say you anything. got it, flaunt it. I didn't say anything <laughs> to her. I just pretended that I didn't hear. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think that's helpful context. Yeah. And one other question I have, I think everyone knows who Denzel Washington is. Even if you're not familiar with Paul Newman's works, you have probably seen him in the grocery store. But for some <laughs> younger people who might not know, has Sidney Poitier been in anything recently? No, because he's pretty old by now. But Sidney Poitier, he won, like he was in, like, um, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. That's one of his standards. He's in a hole that... Um, Okay, so to prove her fandom, my mom has literally pulled out a Sidney Poitier magazine. Why does this exist? Like, why does he have a whole magazine dedicated to him? Because he was one of those first actors. He was around from the 60s. I remember from the 60s, Sidney Poitier was one of those. And my mom, too, was in love with Sidney Poitier. What? She's Scandalous. Yeah, she spoke about Sidney Poitier as if he was her friend she talked she called him sydney oh did you see sydney and sydney was around at the same time he started about two or three movies with bill cosby and it's unfortunate that bill cosby has become that what he did to women so that's really really unfortunate because i remember growing up and sydney Poitier like uptown saturday night um let's do it again and and so they were in a lot of movies you know, Sydney's movies go all the way back. I know I'm following my mom, like No Way Out, uh, <laughs> Blackboard Junction, Goodbye, My Lady. He, he has so many movies. What is he doing today? He is, Sydney Poitier has to be very close to his 90s if oh, he's wow. not already 90 years old. So he's, he is very old. 
by now but he has dignity character and he was a brilliant actor you know the defiant one if you guys ever want to watch his movie just look him up he's in a whole lot of really really great movies wow the more you know yes okay so moving on to some other fandom so some of my close friends know that i love i mean everyone loves the great british bake-off but some of my close friends know that I actually only watch it with you. So even though I love it so much, I literally refuse to watch it unless I'm down in San Diego. The only time I've watched it in LA was when you came up most recently. So it's our thing. So some of my friends know that you're a fan as well. And someone would like to know who is your favorite Great British Bake Off contestant? Uh, was his name Paul? Yes, I was. <laughs> I knew you were going to say Paul. Yeah, Paul, he was so talented and artistic. And I think he had something on his forehead, something like Gorbachev, if you, those of you remember the Russian. None of my <laughs> listeners are probably going to know what you're talking okay. about. Well, he, yeah, I like Paul. There was something attractive about him, even though he was an older fellow. He hadn't gone bald. <laughs> and he was extremely creative. I remember he did the design of a, was it the lion? It was the lion bread. The, the lion bread. So I, Paul, I like Paul. And he's not a contestant but i like the manliness of paul so basically both pauls of Paul, <laughs> the judge yeah. yeah my mom is in love with paul hollywood well because he's this kind of manly a person who just comes and no kind of no nonsense and he just tell it like it is yeah he has yeah. very no nonsense yes he doesn't try to butter it up and um and and i like the fact that the british contestants they they can appreciate that and they accept it and they respect it and they try to do better and the show i love so much because they're willing they come into this program and what do they get there's no pride pride you know they they, and they try their hardest to to do good and so I, i like that there's no monetary thing of course some of them might get offers after they leave the show but not from the show itself yeah yeah honestly like in america we would never do that we'd be like what there's no twenty thousand dollar prize goodbye also they would just be like talking shit about each other um in the behind the scenes interviews with the producers so this is very pure and wholesome and that is why we love it so much and i'm gonna throw in this question just off the cuff what would you do for a handshake from paul hollywood well, first of all, I want to go back and say that, for instance, what I like too about watching the big British Bake Off is that they have a lot of the terminology. Jamaica is a colony, an English colony, and so a lot of the terms like um, rubbish and some of the other ones I can't bin. remember. They will use what? Yeah, like, you know, a trash bin. Oh, bin, yeah. So um, what would I do for, I'll try my best to do a... A great bake because I was a little bit sad to realize that Paul Hollywood broke up with his wife and he was dating some 20 something yeah so yeah he wouldn't be particularly interested in me at my age you never know no you never know maybe he's over the younger women and the immaturity plus I feel like he got roasted pretty hard online so Mm. all right so another great British bake-off question would you rather go on a week-long girls trip with Prue or Mary Berry Mary Berry. Why? Wow, no question. No question. I, Mary Berry, she was refined. She was professional. I looked her up and realized she'd been married for to her husband for all these years. And she was... Even Paul would flirt with her. And she could handle it, even at her age. 
there is a something about Mary that I think was very distinguished. There's something about Mary. There's something about Mary. Yeah, I, I would go Mary. Mary. Yeah. I mean, the OG. Love her. Okay, so a couple more personal questions about yourself. What is your favorite date that you've ever been on? My favorite date. My favorite date, I remember going to, I won't name with whom. It was in Manhattan, and we had gone to a show. It was a show in, on um, Fifth Avenue, and it was a dance performance from a Brazilian group. And afterwards, we went for dinner on the Marriott Marquis in Fifth Avenue. And the Marriott Marquis spins around the entire city. And so you can you get a full view of New York City, all the bridges, the traffic, everything. And after we were finished with dinner, we went dancing right there on top of the marquee in New York City. Wow. That sounds very magical, I have to say. It was. It was. Hmm. Is that Marriott Marquis with the rotating roof? Does it, it still exist? I should imagine so. I can't imagine them getting rid of it. Hmm. Especially with, like, for instance, when you have, we didn't have any ball dropping with people this year, but that was a, pl- a famous place for people to go to watch the ball drop. And I remember some people would joke about, oh, we go and look at the other people below us. The peons. The peons. Below. <laughs> the plebeians. So they didn't have to be mixed in with all the thousands and thousands of people. Wow, mom, I didn't know you were so bougie. <laughs> well, not really, but it still gives you a sense of joy and when you're doing something that is not a whole lot of people experiences. Yeah. I'll have to add that to the bucket list. That sounds really nice. It is. Okay. So this is a two part question. What's the worst dating advice that you have ever received? And what's the worst dating advice that you have ever given? Hmm. Have I given dating advice? Um, I feel like you give me dating advice all the time. (laughs) I give you dating advice because you're, I want to get, you to have the best experience. The worst dating advice, I don't know. I sometimes tend to try to keep out of your relationships. And I think I'm going to stop. If I don't really like somebody, I'm going to say that. If I pick up some things, I'm going. I'm just going to say it. I'm, I, I try to say maybe I am incorrect and I want you to figure this, these things out for yourselves. And sometimes I might say something. But dating advice is um, this Okay, if I were to give a dating advice, it would be like, wait to have sexual intercourse. Wait until when? <laughs> wait. Wait, wait, wait. This is, we're asking about the worst advice. Okay. So the worst advice I'd have given you? It could be that you've given anybody. I don't know. Or, and that you've received. Also be thinking about that. Okay, so I guess I wouldn't necessarily say that um, I'm, I'm give bad advices when it comes to dating. Um, and if I were to go outside of you, I remember, especially outside, I don't, grown people, I don't give them advice if they ask a What about like question. girlfriends in college or girlfriends early on in your 20s? Definitely not. I, I, I don't think I did in college or out. Um, nowadays, it's better older now. I think I'm more confident and I, somebody might ask and I say, if they ask a specific question. I think you have given dating advice. I can think of certain people you might work with. I've given dating advice, but it's never like, for instance, 
no, don't date that person. Or I like I remember people tell me, oh no, you know this person is whatever. But I never say don't date that person. I said give it a chance. And I remember a friend of mine who broke up with uh, somebody she was dating, and she wanted to know why didn't I say anything? And I said because you weren't ready to hear it. Hmm. And everybody, all of us friends of this teacher felt the same way about this person, but she wasn't ready to hear it. So sometimes you have to wait for somebody to say. Uh, to be ready and open okay because it would just cause a big gap there would be confrontation and better to let the person just figure it out that Uh, makes sense unless you're going to think that a person's life is in danger well yeah but then that's a different situation okay so basically the takeaway is that you really try to like limit the advice unless you it's actively sought out from you and you basically are saying you stand by all of the dating advice that you have given i Yes, I think so. Okay, well, what about the dating advice that you have received that you do not stand by? Um, as much as good, in, as good intentions as sometimes friends think they are, I think sometimes they are not particularly happy if you seem to be dating somebody and having fun and doing all, you know, going places and doing the things that you like. And sometimes they can say things like, oh, don't you think he's a bit old or... You should be dating him for one reason or another. And um, I would like to think for myself. I remember this, somebody I, I dated and um, very nice person, very friendly, very confident. But he wasn't very, I don't know, ambitious is the right word. It's not really ambitious, but he didn't seem to be going anywhere further. And so some people was like, he doesn't really have much to offer. And I'm thinking, hmm, yeah, but at the same time, it was just, you know, it was association and sharing. Yeah. And I didn't end up dating the person for very long, um, but we're still somewhat kind of friends from a distance. Hmm. Okay. So you just kind of wish that they had let you enjoy yourself and let it run its course without putting in their two cents. Yes, I guess. Would you say, potentially that it's similar to when you wish that they had had an approach similar to what you had given for your friend where you didn't like the person that she was dating, where maybe you were just really invested in it at the time and you weren't ready to hear anything. And so you kind of wish you could have just come to the conclusion on your own. No, but because I'm aware it was something that I was aware of. You're aware of somebody who isn't at a place that you would expect somebody in their late 50s to be. You know, and so I was aware of it, but the person was was kind of funny. I wasn't even late fifties, but it was uh, so it was more like early fifties. But the person was funny, and it the person was like, had a had a good heart and was decent and good. But um, it's one of those. You know what he was like? He was like a perpetual tenth grade boy. Wow, that sounds exhausting. <laughs> it was really yeah. That's I think that's how I'd best describe him. Yikes. Yeah. All right. So now I kind of wanted to transition into the questions that are about my dating life. And the first Mm -hmm. one, I know exactly what you're going to say, but I think it'll be interesting to get your um, unadulterated take on the air. What do you think about dating apps? I'm not a fan. I'm definitely not a fan of the dating apps. I think that people are disingenuous. I think they figure out what people want to hear. And I don't even want to make any reference to any one of the stories that 
particular stories <laughs> that I've heard. But um, no, I think it's disingenuous, and it's it's that some of the things that I've heard that their men have done on the apps. It just made me think that mm, it's better if you meet somebody who you have some history or somebody knows, and so you you know something or, or somebody might not want to offend a friend and so might be a little bit more decent but meeting somebody at random that you don't know anything about there's no history there's nobody who can say this person is x y or z i think that's a problem and um i'm sure yes there are people who have met people as a matter of fact just last night i was at this restaurant uh in san diego here and there were people they were dancing and everything and um they spoke, the woman talked about people who have met and married, you know, so people have met each other and, and perhaps older people and younger people and have gotten married, but it seemed like such a, uh, you know, so few and far between. Okay, so that's fair because I agree that it is ideal if you have a common connection with somebody, but oftentimes, you know, pre-pandemic there were a lot of opportunities to meet people in the wild as they say so like you could meet someone at the grocery store in theory you could meet someone at the bar when you're out you could meet like someone if you're seated at the bar at a restaurant and i would argue that those pose the same risks as meeting someone on the app and i would like to pull up some receipts and say that the same person that you were just talking about who you're still friends with how did you meet him <laughs> seriously um <laughs> Where was I was? I know where you were, if you don't remember. I know where I was. I was at the library. I taught summer school that year. And it was the end of summer. It was towards the end of summer school. And I had borrowed a DVD to show the class. And so I, I was returning the DVD. And as I walked, I walked up to the library. The door was closed. And I walked back, walking back to my car. And as I was walking back to my car, I heard somebody says, and he wasn't even, hey, where are you going? The library's opening now. <laughs> and I went and I said, oh, thank you. And then as I was in the library, I was looking at some other things, you know, see what was in the DVD section. And I noticed that the person was kind of loitering, for lack of a better word. <laughs> and I could, I know he was waiting for me to come back towards the door so he could talk. And that's how I met him. Did you have any character references before <laughs> you went out with this person? Um, you know, while you're talking to people, you're reading their body languages and you're measuring them up and you're thinking. And of course, I looked at them, this car and I thought, hmm. <laughs> what car was it? I don't even remember what kind of car it was, but it was an older car. And, um, and you know, the person says, what do you think? Um, you know, let's go out for dinner, you know, just, just go for dinner. And I thought about it long and hard and I thought, okay, summer, it's going to be summer. I have six weeks of summer or something and I'm, hmm. And no, I didn't have any character references. Well, I mean, I would just like to say that's a little bit contradictory. It is, but at least there was proximity. What do you mean? We're in the same area. Um, I didn't live where the school was. You know, this was in one of those schools a little bit east. But um, so there wasn't proximity. Well, we're in San Diego. What? Okay, I've never gone on an app date with someone from another city. They all live in Los Angeles. Leslie, I know we don't agree with this, and um, but I just um, I just don't like the apps. You hear some of the horror stories, and um, it's it's such an easy way. It's such an easy way to meet somebody and for people to just sleep around 
and with no good intentions and pretend to be whatever they want. They think somebody would like to hear and then move on. That can happen no matter how you meet somebody, though. It can, it can, but I just feel like, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm a little bit old school and I, I, nothing is going to make me say, yeah, the apps are <laughs> the greatest. I'm, I'm not a fan. Unless I meet my future husband on the apps yeah. and then hopefully your tune will change by then. Well, well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. All right. So my next question, and I think this flows from your view on the dating apps. What if you had to describe what you think my dating life is like? How would you describe it? What, Leslie? I already said that I don't like the personalizing. No, you don't have to give any specific examples or specific stories. If you just had to kind of describe, like, what do you think it's like? Your dating life? Yeah. No, I don't. I don't know if I want to go into that. Let's just try. Um, you meet people. You go out for coffee or dinner or something. And you talk to people, and um, then you decide if there's chemistry. Yeah. Then you might decide that, okay, then this might be worth a second date. And if there's no chemistry, then you decide that there is, this is not going to happen, or if the person seeing is a little bit awkward based on what I've heard you say on the app. Um, is a person, how cheap is a person? Um, how does a person treat you? Did they even walk you back to your car? Stuff like that. Then make sure that you got back to your car safe. And um, if it's a match, then you might try it for a while and see where it goes. Uh, prior to the app, it seemed like people who you met in person and not not necessarily one person or the other, but that seemed like it had a more more chances of going somewhere of yeah of developing into something and yes those people are especially one of the persons that i'm thinking of had issues too and there are situations when i did meet the person interacted and some of the things i didn't like and i told you those things that i didn't like and that didn't look like a the way to treat somebody who you're trying to date or who who you want to be your partner so i guess as a follow-up question, if you had to describe, based on what you know about me, what you think my type is, <laughs> what would you say is my type? And what and like what are some qualities that you would say I look for? Well, I know you like somebody who's a little bit taller. Um, Way to start with that. That makes me sound so shallow. No, it's not shallow. I mean, Every, it's true. But. Everywhere, you, <laughs> everywhere you hear people talk about tall, dark, and handsome. That's the, the thing. But I don't think that's the only thing. I think you're looking for somebody who enjoys going out and doing things. Somebody who can be social and not be intimidated by your friends and who can fit in with your friend group and hold his own in an environment like that. Somebody who is fit. Somebody who takes care of himself will eat properly and um somebody who likes to go place to travel you know somebody who you can travel with so i think those are the things and you are particularly i think you're driven you're motivated even so much more than i ever um was or am i probably ever will be so you're motivated but i don't think you necessarily need somebody who is as motivated as you are hmm. and it's it's somebody who is comfortable being himself and realize that this is who Leslie is and I'm okay with fitting into her life even though I'm not as driven or motivated or oriented, goal-oriented as you are. Interesting. I always say to you, and I know you don't like this, that the fellow in that movie, Marley and Me, 
Yeah. I figured that um, he would be somebody like who you need. He wasn't a go-getter. It was her, the wife and the family, who was time for the different stages of life. It was time to have a child. It was time to move out of Florida. It was time to do these things. And he was okay going along with her. And he loved her and um, cared about her. And even his friend, who was a total womanizer, was thinking, don't you think, you know, you know, was trying to, when they had a little rough patch, thinking about divorce. And he says, no, I don't want to divorce her. I'm you know, there's something else here. And the final movie, too, is this, um, I don't know how she does it. Mm-hmm. That man, you know, he was okay with letting her thrive and not be intimidated by her success. They, again, also met a rough patch, and she had to get to the point to realize that what is important to me, I can't do everything. You, you know, you have to say no to some things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So this next question, I've been particularly interested to see how you're going to answer this. And I think you alluded to the opposite of this question. But I want to know, which of my exes is your favorite? <laughs> um, and you don't have to name names, obviously, because I oh. never do. Okay, there is... He needed some work. How would I describe him then? He needed a little bit of work. And I think it's like they say again, and I'm going to reference another movie... Um, my big fat Greek wedding, the man is the head of the house, but the woman is the neck, right? And that doesn't mean in a necessarily a bad way that you're going to push somebody in a bad way, but you can influence men easily. If they really care about you, you can influence men, not trying to hurt them or anything. But I think this person could have been influenced to become a better version of who he was. I think I know who you're talking about, but are there any non-identifying things that you might say that could give more information? Non-identifying things? I think if I were to say that this was your really first true relationship. Oh, my first... Oh, that's not what I thought you were going to say. What do you thought I was going to say? I thought you were going to say my first true love, and I also thought you were talking about someone different. Interesting. There is somebody else who I think would have been good for you, but the person needs is lacking some confidence, hmm. right? Lacking some confidence because yes, not everybody doesn't have to be the same drive. I think there's connection there. I, I see the connection, and I hope that the person will come around. But you know, it's hard for somebody to develop something that they aren't, and so I can see that there's a connection and there's a caring. But if somebody believes that you're out of their league, then will they treat you with respect? Because then they might be thinking, okay, you're, you're, you're settled because of the lack of confidence on the person's part. So I think that could work, but the confidence is missing. The, hmm. the, yeah. Okay. So you alluded to the fact that this other person, you like the fact that there is a connection and you see that there's caring there. What did you like about that other person who you said was my first relationship? What stood out about that? Mm. I could tell that the person was serious and was ready for some commitment. He was tired of, wasn't, didn't want to be running around. The person was serious and ready for the next stage of life. Okay. I mean... That's fair. I guess to play devil's advocate, is that alone 
<laughs> a criteria for someone to be a good partner is just like, oh, well, I'm ready to get married. No, I know that's not a good a, a good criteria, but that's where the woman is the neck comes in. What do you mean, though? Like, what in what way should I have been the neck? Like, what things do you think I needed to change about the relationship? No, no, I didn't even say that you needed to change anything because this, you can't really change somebody. I was just thinking that um, some of the things, I guess it's your level of maturity, too, at the time. And there were some other issues, too, that I know are important to you. Wow. Every parent would like the child, their children to meet somebody to settle down. I know that there are issues, even some of the issues that I learned later on and i thought that was kind of messed up because even yesterday i think it was as we spoke you mentioned some things that i wasn't aware of but at the time and i still feel like that i don't know maybe could have been worked out um again i'm kind of old school in my beliefs so i like to think that okay you meet somebody and you you guys work it out but i know that is unrealistic and just to go back i think that this other person I'm thinking of would be a good match, but the person is not confident enough to realize that he brings something to the table. That's very sad. It is. It is. It is sad. It is sad. Hmm. Well, okay. On a less deep note. So this is translating into some questions about your experiences as a mom. And the first question I have is, what have you had the opportunity to see from my life that you would say is like one of the most embarrassing stories you could share from your life? Yes. Nothing. I, Oh my God, that is so boring. Um, the most embarrassing. I don't know of any stories. Leslie, you were, this is going to sound kind of corny, but you made me who I am today. It was like catching up. I was always catching up to you. It's like you were ready to do all these things. And it's like, I wanted to hold you and wait. Like when we were living on the East Coast and you were ready to go to school. Because you were born in October, the schools didn't want you. You were too young. And so we f- you saw kids on TV going to school and you were ready to go to school. And so we found a way. You went, you went to a private school because you wanted to go to school. So we weren't ready to let you go. And then we came to California, and you want to be a crossing guard. What? What if you get hit? Oh, my gosh. But you wanted to be a crossing guard so much that we let you with pins and needles, you know, worried about it, but you were a crossing guard. You wanted to run for election in school. It's like, what if you don't win? How are you going to handle it? And I did not. You know, and it was, so all these little things, um, not really, I'm, I'm not embarrassed. I remember when you tried out for um, basketball, you tried out for baseball, and you didn't get picked. And it's disappointing. Nobody wants to see that their child um, didn't get something that they went after. And you were so very good at, you got a lot of things that you went after. And so I was disappointed. And when, you, when the child is disappointed, then you're also disappointed and you get hurt. But embarrassment... I can't think of anything that you did that embarrassed me. Um, it would be the reverse. Anything you did that embarrassed me? Well, not, I'm not asking you a question, but like, <laughs> for instance, showing you, taking you to these places that you mentioned, and I, you were always late, hmm. like the different parties with the, your kids. So, no, I, I, can't, I cannot think of anything that you've ever done that embarrassed me, never. Wow. That's very generous. Um, that's a mother's grace. 
No, I think I, I, I really am searching my brain and I cannot think of anything. No. Well, if you do, we can circle back. Okay. But I guess the next one is um, probably going to make me blush, but someone asked, what is your favorite quality of mine that you <laughs> admire? You are a decent person. And I remember in middle school, there's a male teacher. I think it was eighth grade. I don't want to say his name on the air. And I was talking to him, and I remember he he's saying that middle schoolers are so harsh. They're so hurtful. They can be so hard. And he said, he had a daughter, and he said, I wish more than anything that when my daughter grows up, she's just like your daughter. Um. You are kind, and you don't say anything to hurt people's feelings. You weren't one of those mean girls in high school. Um, you are intelligent you're more intelligent than i am when i try to argue and to change your opinions about anything some of the questions you ask is like (laughs) (laughs) i mean some would say that's just like argumentative and annoying (laughs) no um no you're intelligent and you are be focused you have a goal in mind and you go after it throughout my and every single report card i've ever gotten in high school said that i was inconsistent and you are not Right, I'll start something and I'll take a break. For whatever reason, I need to take a break. And so I take a break and I eventually get, will get back to it. But if I didn't have that streak where I need to take a break. Um, yeah, so you are very genuine. You are totally genuine. And you are kind-hearted. You don't deliberately hurt people. Hmm. And I think that is that is rare, especially as teenagers, when you when you were a teenager. And um, it's very easy as a parent to love. You're, you're a, you never gave me any reasons. And I don't know if, par- if kids give parents reasons not to love them, but you never gave me any reasons not to. And um, no, you're you're a good, decent person. Well, that's really nice. And. A previous guest who I had, she talked about how, you know, this this seems like an aside, but I promise it's related. <laughs> she said she's a mom and she's had two children. And she said that, you know, like when you go through childbirth, your body kind of like blacks out how bad it is so that you do it again. I feel like you have some selective memory because I feel like in middle school, I probably was a little bit of a brat. Everyone is kind of angsty. So I'm very glad that you have glossed over those things and forgiven me and choose to see the positive in me. I have no idea what you're talking about, but um, you were a regular kid. You 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 were not an angel, <laughs> right? You were experiencing life and you were growing. So no, I remember one time you had on... I came to the school. You remember those cutoff pants? Oh my God! Yeah, there were. You could they they. It was a pair of blue pants, and you could separate them at the ankle, I think. Yes. At the knee and at the thigh. Yeah, they were from Limited too. They were my favorite pants. I think they were the most expensive pair of clothes that I owned, and I just wanted them so badly. In hindsight, it's like there's no way that those looked good because it clearly has like a zipper at the end of it. But yes, they were my favorite pants at the time. No, I thought they looked great, and they 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 looked great on you when I came to school, and it was kind of cold, if I remember correctly. And you had them pulled, cut off all the way up to the thigh, and I thought... And you saw me, you kind of run quickly to try to <laughs> put them back. But on. you cannot put those on quickly. So <laughs> there is no hiding it. 
Yeah, so no, I don't I don't remember what you're alluding to. I don't remember anything outrageous. I just remember that you sometimes wouldn't take no if I said no to something and I'd just give in. Like mm-hmm. that but that was high school when you wanted to go someplace. Yeah, some party. Oh, the parties. So the next question is what is your proudest mom moment? Leslie, there are so many there's so many moments. Can I separate them? Um, I was proud of you in middle school. No, it was in elementary school. Remember those? What is it? Drug dare? Yeah. And you, you got uh, so many um, awards. Awards? Yes, even some presidential things. So I was very proud. And you went to school. And um, everybody says this. So I'm not trying to be mean that the West Coast education is not as good as the East Coast. So you had come from an East Coast school and went to the West Coast, and so you did great. Um, proud of you graduating from high school. Proud of you from graduating from UCLA, um, going to UCLA, getting these scholarships that you worked so hard to apply for, all the many, many hours of trying to apply for them. So I'm just proud of who you are. I'm proud of who you have become. And um, yeah, you're 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 a good kid, and you don't always agree with my opinions on certain things, but we have a good relationship. So I'm proud that we have a good relationship, and that I can tell based on your the things you will do and the things you will say that you that there's love both ways. You know, when you give somebody a gift, it's well thought out. What would this person like? And it's not just for me; it's for all your friends. Well, I'm really proud of that too. And I think that it's really hard for me to understand when people aren't as close with their parents because I can't imagine it any other way. So it's just something that I definitely don't take for granted and that I'm really grateful for that we have such a strong relationship. Thank you. (laughs) So the last question that was submitted is, in your opinion, how do women be good moms without forgetting that they are individuals with dreams (laughs) of their own? Oh, okay. I was 17 years old when I knew that I wanted at least one child. And um, I think when you become a mom, that's your primary role. And the, the dreams, if you want to pursue your dreams, that you shouldn't necessarily have to give them up. But I think now the child takes priority and you put your dreams on the back burner or you do it later on. Like after, like get every, when the child is in bed, then you kind of go and pursue your dream. And that's hard, especially in today's day when you hear so much about a mom going after her, like career mom. It's like in that movie again, what was it? Uh, I don't know how she does it. So she was a career person and the pair, the moms in those who weren't career person made her feel like she was less of a mom because she wasn't there for her kid. And yes, the kids were disappointed at times when she had to leave and like in any situation, the kids are always disappointed. But don't sacrifice the child for what your dreams are, right? Let the child feel important and loved and then you do your thing and maybe work together. I remember when you were a baby, I was always reading the newspaper and you were, well, not really a total baby, you were about two years old. And so you would get the comic strips and the Toys R Us 
flyers and I would be reading the paper and you have a pen, you couldn't even write and you're marking all over. And so we were doing things together. So if it, if the bomb has goals, then work, you can work together. The child is doing homework, you're doing work too. I remember when you were in school and I was grading, I would bring my papers home and be grading while you're studying your work. So it's not like I had to stay at school to do it. I could bring them home. And I think just finding a way to include the child. And do we make mistakes? Of course we do. But I think if there's an underlying love, it will be felt. Yeah, I agree. I think that's amazing advice. And before we sign off, I wanted to ask if you had any closing remarks or any additional advice or stories that you wanted to share? No, I <laughs> I remember a friend of mine, she works next door to me. And um, I don't know, I gave her son, I gave her son his graduation card when he was graduating from high school. And he wrote something about the sage that I am, that I'm always giving his mom good advice. But she would, I, I don't go telling people, giving people advice. <laughs> you know, people would talk and share things. And then I would, give my feedback and so they would take it as advice but I, I don't go out I am not this know-it-all person I, I wish I really wish I knew as much as I do now 20 30 years ago 40 years ago so people you know I, I read a lot of self-improvement things and so people say stuff and I will say things and so they take but but I don't give really advices it's it's just from things I've read. So it's not coming out of me, it's things I've read over the years. And um, you know, with your kids, love them. And um, that's the only thing, if you love your kids, they will feel the love and they'll return the love. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think that's the most important thing and a great note to end on. Thank you for opening up. I know this is not your favorite thing to do, but I think that it was it was fun. Wouldn't you say at the end it wasn't as bad as you thought it would be? Well, it wasn't as bad. My heart was racing when I was beginning, <laughs> at the beginning. But I, then I keep telling myself, you do this every day. You talk to kids every day, and, you know, now over Zoom, but in person. Yes, yeah, so if, if there's a major issue, then that's how it is. That's, that's who I am. That's what I do for a living. I talk to kids every single day. And so why should I have a problem talking with you? And I shouldn't think about all the people who will be listening because they're not even listening right now. That's true. That's just us. Just us. Until I publish. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And you're very funny. Thank you. And um, I will always love you. I will always love you too. All right. Thanks so much. Let's be exclusive. Subscribe to Interstates and Heartbreak wherever you listen to podcasts for more firsthand stories about the unglamorous side of dating in Los Angeles. And while you're at it, you can write me a love letter with a rating and review on Apple. See you next Sunday.